Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Well, Christian, here we are again. Thanks to all our listeners for your support. I hope you guys are enjoying these pods as much as we are of producing them and putting them out there. We have started a YouTube page where we put extended fellowship on there because we couldn't fit it all in the podcast. So if these podcasts have stirred up your appetite for more, I'll be putting those videos out on our Facebook page. We will be spending the next two pods on the story of Jacob because his story is really quite fascinating. For those who aren't familiar with Jacob, he wasn't exactly the most godly person. He was actually quite sneaky and dishonest. But in the end, you see a different man than when he started. And to me, this is really encouraging. The question I guess I want to answer is how? How did Jacob become Israel? In these next two podcasts, I want to focus on two major aspects of Jacob's life. And the two things are the natural man and the need for transformation. These two phrases are probably not commonly used in our Christian circles. But they are landmark notions in the Bible, and it's especially seen in Jacob's life story. Before we start in today's reading in Genesis 32 concerning Jacob's wrestling with God, Christian, do you mind giving our listeners an overview of Jacob's life? I like how you mention all these things we know about Jacob, that he was such a smart conniving, maybe manipulative person, even in his first interaction with God that we that we know when he's running away from home because he's really offended his brother and just stolen the birthright. He's sleeping in the wilderness. He's got nowhere to sleep. He sleeps on a rock and God appears to him in a dream. And he that's, you know, that's where we get the uh, Jacob's ladder, right? You know, he sees a ladder with angels descending and ascending. Uh, he calls that place Bethel the house of God and but still even in that first interaction Jacob is he makes a deal with God he's like if you take care of me and you know you feed me and like help me then you can be my God and uh, and I'll give you a tenth of what I what I get Jacob he he starts out this way but he doesn't end that way right eventually this wrestling point we're we're touching on is kind of a turning point in his life um, and eventually Jacob, he's this mature old man, his most beloved son, Joseph, they think he's dead. And he's like, if that's how the Lord wants it to be, then amen. You know, he just, he just accepted that, you know, how could he accept that? It's kind of a different person here. It culminates with, at the end of his life, he's someone who can bless Pharaoh. He's someone who's achieved maturity in life where even Pharaoh, who at that time is kind of the, the head honcho of the biggest country, civilization, whatever, uh, in the world at that time, was like, okay, this this guy, I want this person to bless me. There was some recognition of his maturity. 
yeah, let, we, we can get into this. What's happening here? What's going on? Yes, let's get into it, Christian. When I read the story of Jacob, my first question is always how? How did Jacob, this cunning, clever, sneaky person who's always trying to be first to change a situation for the betterment of himself, how did he end up becoming Israel, this mature man who accepts all of God's dealings, the one who has authority to bless Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the known world in that time? To answer this question, let's jump straight into another high-profile story. Today, we'll be reading in Genesis 32, and we'll start in verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him, and he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. So, this is again another monumental story that I remember from Sunday school. But there is some definite spiritual significance here. Prior to the situation, Jacob had just burned the bridge with Uncle Laban. In fact, they practically made a covenant saying, you stay on your side and me on my side. In front of him, his brother Esau, the one whom he stole the birthright from, is coming with 400 men. In Jacob's mind, they're coming to kill him. Essentially, Jacob is stuck in an impossible situation. Can't go forward, can't go back. And he's devising a plan of breaking his family into two groups. So if Esau kills one, the other can escape. I mean... Very elaborate schemes. Afterwards, when he has sent everyone away and he was alone, a man wrestles with him. Now, based on the verses, we realize this man was actually God himself, which then makes me wonder, why did it take God so long to subdue him? He wrestled with Jacob all night until dawn. I mean, this is the God of the universe. Why couldn't he beat him? And it wasn't until I read a few commentary that it started to become clear. The reason that the Lord wrestled with Jacob for hours wasn't because God couldn't beat him. Rather, he was trying to reveal to Jacob how natural he was, meaning how much Jacob depended on his natural strength, his natural cleverness, his own power, his own talents. This is something altogether separate from just sinfulness. Don't get me wrong. We have to deal with our sin. But here, God wants to go further than that. Here, he isn't dealing with Jacob's sinfulness. Here, he's dealing with Jacob, period. And once I saw that, I started to realize that this theme is actually in the entire Bible. Yeah, this is actually throughout the entire Bible. God is transforming men from natural men 
into something that God can use, someone that God can use. Here, Jacob is the first, actually, he's the first example chronologically in the Bible of a person experiencing transformation. So so God touches us on our strongest feature, who we are, our, our natural strength. We have other examples like Moses. You can see this with his experience of meeting God at the burning bush. We can see this in the New Testament with both the Apostle Paul and one of the Lord's own disciples, Peter. Great examples of people trying to serve God or interact with God in a very natural way, according to their natural man. But we see that this is not compatible with what God ultimately wants with man. We've mentioned before, right, you know, starting all the way back from Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, God first reveals himself to man as what? The tree of life. Tree of life for what? So that man can worship this tree, bow down to it, or, you know, get some set of rules on how to be a good person from this tree. Like, no, it's it's for food, you know, for sustenance, to be enjoyed by man. This is the kind of primary fundamental relationship God reveals himself to man uh, to be. But then it doesn't just stop there. Like God wants to be enjoyed by us. We've talked about receiving God's life initially and then continuously. But it's not just so that, okay, I've received God's life. Like I'm, I'm good or something like that. There's, a, there's an issue. There's a, a result. And we've talked about that. That is the church. God wants the church. He, we saw that with the picture of Adam and Eve. So I think from just from that picture, like God today, he wants to build a church with us. And the natural parts are just, it's not compatible. Wow. Now it's all come into focus. I want to recap what you just spoke, Christian. Christ's main work today is completely centered around his church. If you want a more comprehensive view of this, check out our previous podcast concerning God's Ark today. Christ is building his church, but according to the Bible, he is very particular with what he's building with. He won't build it with sinful man, but neither will he build it with a natural man. Christian, let's go ahead and jump to Matthew 16 where the Lord reveals that he is building his church. Because Peter's actions following Jesus' declaration is quite striking. So this is Matthew 16 verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This portion of scripture always seems so confusing to me. You could say the Lord was Peter's best friend. They had spent years together and now the Lord reveals that he's going to the cross to die. I mean, I would have responded the exact same way that Peter did. No, Lord, you can't die. Peter loved the Lord and cared for him. But instead of giving Peter a hug and saying something like, it's all going to be okay, Peter, his response was quite the opposite. 
he says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan, right? That's pretty strong. You know, how, how could Peter know if the Lord doesn't die, then he doesn't get the church, right? Mm -hmm. If the Lord never dies, he never takes care of our sins. Those things never happen. And God's purpose is not able to be accomplished. Peter doesn't know that. His response is, like you're saying, it's just very natural. It's a good meaning, well-intended. How many times have we had a good intention, but it ends up kind of doing the opposite of what you want? Again, this is like I really like what you're saying. It's not something sinful that Peter did. Um, this was actually something very nice, kind of reasonable in a sense, but it was very natural. I think we'll start to see this transformation from a natural man to someone who is living in God's purpose, this happens to so many of these people um, in the Old and New Testament. You know, Christian, as we were reading these verses in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. It doesn't say let him deny his sin or his old way of living. And don't get me wrong, we have to do those things as well. But here the Lord is saying not just those things, but you need to deny you. And in this context of Matthew 16, it's even your natural compassion, your natural care for people, which let's bring this all back full circle to Jacob. Jacob was stuck between a rock and a hard place. And in that moment, God wrestled with him. He didn't touch Jacob's hip instantly to defeat him. Rather, he allowed Jacob to keep going for hours and hours. Why? To show Jacob how much he relied on his natural strength, his natural cleverness. And even with Jacob's best effort, one touch by God, and then it was all gone. But Jacob's reaction was quite interesting. He'd lost. He now knew that this guy he was wrestling with was stronger than him. Instead of getting mad, trying harder to manipulate the situation, or running away, he clings to him and wouldn't let him go. He wanted to be blessed by the person that just defeated him. This is all very applicable. Let me give you an example from my own experience. When I was in med school, my second year, I was a newlywed at the time, and I felt stuck. I felt guilty about spending time with my wife because I feel like I should have been studying. But I felt guilty when I was studying because I wanted to spend time with my wife, especially during step one studying time. And you feel like you're just wrestling with these outward situations. I was doing all these things to try and move things around, and I get frustrated at school, frustrated at my wife. And really, in those times, looking back, it wasn't school or my wife that I was wrestling with. It was God. And He wasn't dealing with my sin per se. He was dealing with me. He was dealing with my want to please everyone. He was dealing with all my efforts. He was dealing with my need to be perfect at everything. He was dealing with my expectations. Now, what was my response in those times? I can't say I cling to God a lot, but sometimes I did. Instead of running, instead of concocting different plans or strategies, I cling to God. And though the outward situation didn't change much, using Jacob's picture, Esau was still in front of me. Laban was still behind me, but I was different. Now I had a, quote, limp, something to remind me to stop relying on me, but rather cling to God. 
Now, is that once for all? If you look at Jacob's story, no. He didn't really change much at all. But he had many more situations that caused him to cling to God. And you see, by the end, he wasn't Jacob anymore. He was Israel. He wasn't the guy that was so conniving, clever, naturally strong. Rather, he was someone that had been touched by God, that clinged to God. God transformed him to someone that could actually bless the most powerful man in the world at that time. What a transformation. I want to encourage all of you guys that are listening. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that He's not willing to leave you the same. In His sovereignty, He will arrange situations for you that seem impossible. In those times, you might think if you can just defeat those situations, all will be fine. But you're not wrestling with those situations. Whether it be your school, your test, your spouse, you're wrestling with God. During these times, I pray that you cling to God. Allow God to work on you, to touch your natural man, to transform you, which is something we will get into much more in next week's podcast. So y'all get ready. If this message has touched you, feel free to share this podcast. You guys are all in my prayers. Have a blessed week. You will find me if you search for me. With all your heart, you will seek me. You will find me if you search for me. With all your heart, and I will be found by you. seek me you will find me if you search for me with all your heart you will seek me you will find me if you search for me with all your heart and i will be found by you and i will